0: This is Ryan
1: Archidak, and i shout out to the Bulls HQ podcast. All the way from Australia, we represent, and
0: thanks for all the support.
2: fans welcome to Bulls HQ a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire podcast network thank you for joining us on this episode of the show since the last time we spoke the Bulls scored two solid wins albeit against injury depleted Pacers and Raptors squads but at this at this stage of the season like who who really cares wins are all that matter and unfortunately losses matter too which is why losing a winnable game to the Atlanta Hawks on Friday night one which Zach Levine dropped a 50 piece like that that really hurts. <laughs> that really hurts seeing that happen. So uh it even hurts more when you see teams that is currently in the seventh, eighth, and ninth spots in the East all have wins last night as well. So it wasn't an ideal game. And I'd rather be talking about a four-game winning streak right now heading into next week. But nonetheless... Let's talk some balls, anyway, and here with me today is a first-time guest. Honestly, it's kind of absurd that I've waited this long to get this man on, but uh, thankfully, thankfully we've sorted this out now, and uh, let's welcome in the co-host of the Locked On Bulls podcast, as well as the Bulls Outcast podcast, and maybe more importantly, I'll say this, probably someone who I deem, at least, to be the biggest Joakim Noah and Dennis Rodman fan that I know. <laughs> he is Matt Peck, and he joins you now. Matt, how are you, sir?
1: Mark, I'm doing well, man. I hope you're doing well, too. It's great to be chatting with you. Um, as always, I enjoy our chats. And, yeah, man, that's crazy. Because I know that, like, we've had you on Locked On before. And, like, you know, we interact on Twitter all the time. But I, I am humbly excited uh, to be to be chatting on your pod this time, man. And let me tell you, I caught your appearance recently on my guy Big Dave's uh, Bowla Bulls. And that was a very, <laughs> very fun listen. <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, anytime you can catch up with uh, Dave and C Dub is that like it's 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 fun if you're the guest, let's say, or even the listener. But uh, you know, those guys are super easy to talk to, and yeah. I'll definitely have them on at some stage. But yeah, it's, it's definitely my fault that I haven't had you on here, mate. Like you said, I've 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 been on Locked On Balls a couple times, but I'm just really bad at planning. Like even yesterday when I hit you up, I was just like randomly out of the blue. I was like, oh. I, I'll just DM Matt now and see if, he, <laughs> let's see if he's free. But like, I should really be planning this in advance. So we've tried to do this before, but I've always just been terrible at um, oh, scheduling these sorts of things. So dude, it's definitely my fault.
1: Mark, you know what I just remembered? We had a plan for me to come on your podcast last January. And it was, it was the Sunday that Kobe Bryant died. Do you remember that? Yeah. Like we had been yes. DMing the, like the past yeah. couple of days and we were, okay, we, okay Sunday at this time. And we like, we had it like earmarked. We were like, great, let's do it. Can't wait. And then woke up to that news and was like, holy crap. And I remember you DM me and we're like, should we push this back? It just feels like a weird day to like talk about a yeah. shitty Bulls team. And I was like, yeah, man, I feel you. Yeah, that's Dude, so I, crazy. I totally had
2: forgotten about that. Like, uh, yeah, that day was a bit crazy and weird for us, obviously, basketball fans and now that you say that like my, my memory in general is terrible but now that you say that i'm like oh yeah that 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 was something that we had planned and was scheduled and ready to go and yeah, yeah. when we when at least when i woke up that morning my time was like oh shit like the There's no way we can do this podcast. So yeah, that's I guess that just adds to the context there. That's probably why we haven't been able to do this. Yeah, man. So so this chat is
1: a year a year plus in the making. Yeah, (laughs) and all of the crazy shit that has happened in the world and with the Bulls in that year is unbelievable.
2: I mean, yeah. Where do we even start? I guess would be the point. (laughs) Uh, Not that we're going back to to review that 12 to 15 month period, but uh, when you put it when you put it in that context, it is. yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. But um, look, I want to fast forward, obviously, to the to the current day Bulls, like I said, from the top. I wanted to talk about this loss to the Hawks because, I mean, yeah, I want to get your opinion on it. I haven't spoken Bulls with you extensively in a, in a conversation in this format, let's say, for a while, but... To me, like that loss was probably more representative of where the Bulls at versus those wins against the Pacers and and the Raptors. Like those, like I mentioned, those two teams were missing very important players. The Bulls should have won those games; they did, which was good. But then they lost a very winnable game to the Hawks, and I don't know if the Hawks are that much better than the Bulls. If you know from a record standpoint, they are, but they're from a record point of view. From a competitive standpoint, like the Hawks are roughly a five hundred team, let's say the Bulls should be competing with those team or those teams and at least, you know, getting wins against those teams occasionally, yeah. which seemingly doesn't happen for whatever reason. And yeah, even though even that Hawks team weren't full strength and somehow the Bulls found a way to to drop that game. So I'm still trying to get it through my mind exactly how it happened. I mean, I go back and forth on it all, especially when someone goes off for a fifty point game. Like like Levine did. It's like, how do you lose that game? But uh, yeah, what what were your thoughts at least watching that game? Maybe the first half, then into the second half. Like, how are you feeling about the whole thing and how it transpired?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I was just so torn as I was sitting there after the game trying to wrap my head around it. You know, chatting with Big Dave and our our you know viewers on on Hot Mic. Uh, I was just like, the first half was one of the most fun hours in my Bulls fan life that I could remember in a long time. I mean, watching Zach drop 39 and a half, including 25 (laughs) straight points in the second quarter. I mean, not, not just as Bulls fans, as NBA fans, you don't see that stuff all that often. Like, those performances are rare, and they only come from the most special players in this league. And so I was just enjoying every second of it, every time he pulled up about halfway through that run I knew it was going in and it was crazy and it was so fun to watch and then the second half happened the Hawks make their defensive adjustments he's getting double teamed he was even getting triple teamed sometimes and the Bulls like I mean there there's a lot of layers to this clearly you can't blame Zach for for that loss which I saw some Bulls fans doing on Twitter immediately yeah. after and yeah. I was like dude dude dropped 50. <laughs> and other than his his new you know uh, partner in crime Vooch, who had another twenty and ten game, the the role players did nothing. And yeah. like you know, if you were Zach trying to pass out of these double teams, and and I question who Donovan had on the floor late in that game as it slipped away, but nobody else could do a darn thing. And it was really, really frustrating to see that performance from Zach ruined with a loss in a game that, as you said, and I agree, they should have won.
2: Yeah, for sure. And like, I I felt myself being a bit of a curmudgeon in that first half, because like, on one hand, I completely agree with you. Like, Zach going absolutely mental was just insane to watch. I mean, we referenced Kobe before, but I I think there was a stat going around that um, in terms of NBA players in the last 20 odd years, let's say, who have dropped however many points in a half. I think Zach was third all time in that 20-year span with 39 points. Klay Thompson had a 40-piece, and then Kobe Bryant, I think, had 42 points in 2003, something crazy like that. So we were witnessing just some insane, almost historic-level scoring from Zach in that first half. But at the same time, like, there was just ominous signs in the background where I was sort of watching, and I was thinking, this this could go a number of ways. And I was sort of tweeting it out, and I didn't – I felt like I was being an idiot because I wasn't focusing on Zach going nuts, which is probably what I should have been, you know, I should have had most of my attention to. But But as a Bulls fan,
1: you've been ingrained in your mind to be talking and worrying about when's the other shoe going to drop, right?
2: Yeah, (laughs) 100%. And that other shoe was the pick-and-roll defense, which to me was the story of this game and the fact that they just got completely owned by Trey Young in the Mm pick-and-roll. Like, Zach was the best player on the court last night, but... Uh, you can make an argument that Trey Young was equally as damaging, maybe even more so just due to the fact how bad the Bulls' pick and roll's defense was. And that was in, that was very clear in the first half against the Hawks, but Zach was just doing amazing things that had just carried the Bulls to a plus 13 lead at the half. But as you sort of mentioned, once the Hawks sort of started trapping and trying to get the ball out of Zach Levine's hand, which is you know, that's two games in a row that's happened now. Like the Raptors were playing a box and one against Zach. He was awesome in that game. He had 13 assists was moving the ball, but like we talked about before, like that Raptors team, they kinda suck right now, whereas the Hawks right. they have some pieces. So when the when the, the the Hawks amplified that defense and then it was basically just Vucevic and the role players to do something, the Bulls couldn't get it done, which was I guess that's why this loss really hurts me because it just magnified some of the issues that we do have on this squad. And the fact that the Bulls weren't able to get through that other guard or another playmaker at the trade deadline, like this game really exposed that. So right. I, don't, I don't know. It, for me watching this game, like the pick and roll difference was an issue, but I was also concerned with the fact that the Bulls, whilst I love their playmaking from Thad and Vooch from the high post, like it really did expose the need to have another perimeter playmaker at that point in time when 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 teams do send doubles or triples to Zach
1: yeah I I think you just highlighted the two most major uh still existing issues for this roster as far as through the rest of this season maybe you know a playoff appearance and then into the offseason and the next decisions that that AK and Eversley have to make is that this team's defense especially when they are getting picked apart in the pick and roll you know a, a, you mentioned Vooch you know getting switched onto Trey Young like you know good luck with that you know, we, we we could talk about Zach's 50 Trey Young casually dropped 42 and nobody was really talking about it <laughs> yeah, exactly. and then and then also Lowry marketing you know just getting absolutely bullied in these switches where he's just he's he's guarding guys he can't guard um, the Bulls perimeter defense. We all always knew, looking at this roster, that it was going to be a struggle. That it was going to be a challenge. Uh, obviously, Garrett Temple's absence has not helped. Uh, I thought his defense, when he was healthy earlier this season, you know, he he no, never does anything flashy in the box score on any given night, and he actually was kind of going through a shooting slump as well. But the defense with Temple was always there, and it helped cover up a lot of weaknesses. And then on the other end the lack of a competent point guard, the lack of another ball handler and playmaker around the perimeter, because, you know, Vooch's arrival certainly took some of the scoring pressure off of Zach. And he is a very capable passing big man like Thad Young. And so they've kind of, you know, with you know some spit and duct tape glued things together a little bit to make them a better playmaking team. Because you're seeing all these games where the Bulls are racking up somewhere between 25, 30, even 30-plus 30 assists without a true point guard. Uh, no offense to Sato and Kobe. Um, and, and I think you and I are on the same page uh, most recently that that it makes sense that Sato's starting and not Kobe. Yeah, And, yeah. and I was uh, arguing with Big Dave after the game last night because he was fine with Kobe being in there late because he was like, hey, at least Kobe was the only other person outside of Zach and Vooch who could score like he had 11. I was like, yeah, on four of 11 shooting. And mm-hmm. he was like, well, well, Sato didn't hit a shot all night. I was like, so? If Sato's out there making the right reads and the good passes, he can get your team buckets that way. Yeah. Um. So, so I, I'm curious, what did you think about the fact that Kobe, who also, by the way, was getting cooked on the defensive end all night, yeah. was in there late in that game?
2: Yeah, I definitely want to talk about Donovan's ro- lineups and rotations because, look, it's something that I've been um, banging on about for a number of weeks now, maybe even a month or so, and I'm just cognizant of the fact that I just keep going to this well, and uh, at least on Twitter, I keep banging on about it. I was meant to talk up to – I, I did a pod last week with C-Red Fred and Doug, and I, was, I had that on the rundown. We didn't get to it because we were too busy arguing about other things, but this has been a problem for the last few weeks that Donovan's rotations have been – funky and weird and i get it like this team has been overhauled like he's essentially got a new team at this point so i get why he's just trying things that maybe maybe i don't know to me but they're not gonna make they don't make sense they're not gonna work but for whatever reason as a coach maybe he needs to just do it to see if there's he finds something randomly but i don't know some of the things that he's doing to me just don't make any sense right now and like We, we are definitely in line. Like, Sato is the guy that should be starting. He, he couldn't score last night. Zero points, zero from six from the field, but he did have 10 assists. So, he was creating points for other people. Like, he created at least 20 points, maybe more, depending if there was some threes on the, on his assists there, at least. Whereas, like, Kobe, yeah, he had 11 points on 11 shots, but for a a large chunk of that game, like, he had zero points. Like, that, most of his points came on four successive buckets on, like, in a couple minute span. So, he, de- he did what Kobe does, which is like, he can be really cold for a while and then just all of a sudden randomly catch hot. But I think you hit the nail on the head. Like his defense, I don't I don't, I don't. I don't know why Bulls fans don't pick this up or well, some do, but maybe some ignore it. But like, sure, Kobe's going to give you 11 points like he did last night, but how many points is he giving up on the other end? And right. if we want to talk about pick and roll defense, this was an issue with Wendell. It was an issue with Daniel Gafford. It's it's proving to be an issue with Nikola Vucevic as well, but it's not really the center's fault in the the pick and roll defense right now. I don't know what the center is meant to do to sort of help or improve this Bulls defense, just due to the fact that the point of point of attack defense is so bad in pick and roll. And if if, if Bulls fans go back and watch this Hawks game and just just go and watch. Kobe White like sort of just get caught and die on those screens and how easy it was for Trey Young to just get in the lane and throw lobs to Kapalo or you know just get inside and do his own thing so you know Kobe had 11 points but how many did he give up so yeah, yeah I, I, I we we are definitely aligned on that one
1: Be- because people you know uh, rag on Trey Young for that too you know Trey Young yeah. undersized guard bad defensive guard gets crushed you know um dealing with screens he can't fight through him he can't fight over them um, and he doesn't have the speed to to get under him and, and, and get back to his guy. But he drops 30 or 40 points. So Kobe ain't doing that. I mean, we saw him do that for a stretch of games toward the end of his rookie season. And it was really fun. I feel like it was, you know, it, it, it was Tums for Bulls fans who had the worst gut rot watching all of the crap that went wrong and was just somewhere between bad and a joke last season. So seeing a rookie, you know, this nineteen year old, twenty year old kid come in and have these games where he's lighting it up and he's hitting all these threes and he's getting to the rim, it was something for the fans to root for at the end at the tail end of an awful season. And I feel yeah. like maybe that's why a lot of Bulls fans attached themselves to Kobe and then were like, All right, he's our starting point guard now. Let's see how it goes. And then a lot of of, of Bulls fans I think were crushed when Donovan made the switch for Kobe and, and put him to the bench because they they think it's like you're giving up on him too soon. And it's like, not necessarily giving up. I, I, I say this to Bulls fans all the time. I'm not giving up on Kobe White as a useful piece for this team's roster for years to come. But maybe his best role is being a scorer off the bench and not a guy who you have to worry about in every capacity of, uh, you know, he he can't run the point. He can't play defense. I, that that's not a guy you start. Like plain and simple.
2: Yeah, for sure. And you, look, you may not be giving up on him, but I'm pretty damn close at this point. Like, um, <laughs> I mean, not, some not, of his
1: decision making is just really hard to watch. Man. Oh, it's it's tough.
2: It's tough. And I, sometimes I catch myself and I do feel bad, like pointing out some of just his terrible mistakes that he that he does make he had a really bad one against the jazz i can't remember which game i pointed it out but like there was oh, a play man. where it may have been even the hawks game i can't remember exactly but there was a, there was a sequence of, of possessions where on defense he didn't come over to help and then the very next possession on offense he got caught in the air trying to make a drive against two against two hawks defenders or whatever the team was against two defenders oh, yeah. got up in I the remember. air <laughs> yeah, i, re- I remember that
1: exact play you're talking about where he left his feet and yeah. just like came down through the ball just basically out towards the baseline and everybody was just like kobe what what are you doing man what was your plan there and like that was one example but i've noticed him doing that multiple times recently where he'll just leave his feet and not have a plan and it ends up in a turnover yeah exactly
2: so like if you're an inefficient guard that is turnover pro and is low iq like that's just a recipe for me to immediately not really be into your game like that's just a player that i just don't like but um no matter how much of a heater you can get on like so I am biased in that sense, but whilst I can admit that like there is a role for Kobe somewhere in this NBA, like I is it on is it with the balls? Because to me, like there's just too much crossover with Zach, and like like Donovan went to to, to Kobe at the end of the game situation. Like one of those guys needs to play point guard, and a lot of the time it's going to be Kobe White, even if Zach does have the ball. So like I just don't see how those two can fit together if for whatever reason Kobe can't necessarily improve his de- decision-making and his defense. And to that point as well, like we, we can talk about Kobe closing the game, but like Lowry closing the game as well. Like what the hell was going on there from a Donovan point of view as well? Like, like why are you closing the game with Lowry when you have a better version of, of Lowry and Nikola Vucevic? So you're not really capturing that, uh, that offensive upside of a Lowry Markin. And you're sort of doubling down on that, whilst giving up so many more points on on the defensive end. And again, I'm, I'm I don't want to rag on Larry because I think he's been put in a tough situation here, particularly when they, when Billy plays him at small forward. But like, I'm sitting here watching Kobe and thinking this guy's not long for Chicago, but even more so for Larry. Like this this guy just doesn't make sense here anymore.
1: Right? And, you know, and at least with Kobe, they've got a little bit more time to figure it out. Like, they're, yeah, they're they're not even to the point of rookie contract extension talks yet. So if they want to keep him around for you know at least through the first part of next season as well to see if and where he fits that's cool. Lowry it's like okay you didn't trade him at the deadline. You know maybe there there were some uh various confirmations from reliable sources that his name was involved in the Bulls and Pelicans having conversations that also included Lonzo Ball. Nothing happened there. My guess is that the Pelicans asking price for Lonzo is something that AK and Eversley thought was just too ridiculously high for a player yeah. that if they're ve- if they're that interested, they can just go, you know, and and pursue as a restricted free agent in a few months. As for Lowry, man, I, I think you know I have been one of his diehard believers on Bulls Twitter since his rookie year. And it's gotten harder and harder to defend him uh for his inconsistencies. I do feel some level of, you know, um, sympathy for him with what he dealt with last year and Jim's offense and the fact that he was just a ghost. Some of that's on Lowry, but I think you can also blame the coach and the offensive system a little bit too. He has never seemed to have any kind of chemistry with Zach and it was supposed to be like, okay, can these be our two best players? Can they be our star duo? Zach turned himself into an all-star and Lowry like I I don't know why and it's like Fred didn't do it enough and and Jim certainly didn't do it enough and I and also even before we got Vooch I don't think Billy did enough the Zach and Lowry two two two-man game thing just like never happened it never developed it seems like something that none of the Bulls past three coaches ever committed to trying to build as like a staple of the offense and now you see Zach and Vooch playing in these two-man games, you know, w- with two lethal scores, picking and rolling, picking and popping, giving goes. And you're like, man, well, Vooch is an all-star, and Lowry is not. So maybe it's as simple as that. I don't know if Lowry fits at all into this team's long-term plans because if he wants to be a starter and wants starter money, like you said, that does not add up anywhere in the equation of what it looks like AK and Eversley are planning to do with this team.
2: Yeah, for sure, and like like a part of that reason why those two guys haven't been able to connect as a two man game is just structurally like it's been difficult for the Bulls because Lowry, in theory at least, is maybe the Bulls' best shooter or at least the best catch and shoot shooter. Let's say, particularly in the front court. So like it's important to have him spacing the floor for a guy like Levine, and when you had you know previously like Wendell Carter or even Thad Young, like rim rollers or guys that you want to use in the short roll as a pick and roll option, like it's kind of hard to then involve Lowry in that sense because you want him spacing the floor. Whereas, you know, Vooch is a big guy, big screener, massive screener. The screens that that dude sets are legit, yeah. but he also is a, a fantastic shooter. So like you can get him involved because he can play, like Vooch is the perfect, uh, at least offensively, like he's everything that Lowry is. He's everything that Wendell was meant to be. He's everything that that has been in the short role but he obviously can can do so much more from a jump shooting point of view. So he just gives you more flexibility and opportunity. So to me, that makes sense. And like Lowry has never really made it as a center. He has not a big physical guy. Like if Lowry could have played center and transferred over to center and set screens like a real center, then maybe that connection could have happened. But I don't know. Look, I, I just think this is who Lowry is because to be fair, like, we we all got on, on on Jim Boylan last season for using Larry exclusively not exclusively, but mostly as a jump shooter, let's say. Like a good chunk of his offense, over half of his offense last season, was generated from the three point line. Well this season, like it's even more from the three point right. line than what it like was up under- until
1: these few games where he's been coming off the bench and actually out of nowhere started to attack the basket. His his percentage of shots behind the three point line was like wasn't it like seventy five or eighty percent or something like that? I don't think it was that high, but it was like
2: sixty percent. So like right. it's it's still it's still markedly high, and it's it's out. Well, I'm just. Oh, I was thinking of them.
1: a percentage of baskets assisted. Th- oh, that right, was right. like a really yeah, high that's, number.
2: Yeah, yes, yeah, definitely. That's that's eighty up eighty seventy five eighty percent for sure. So, I mean, he's always going to be a high assisted player, but. I don't know. Just the way he's being used now to me isn't that differently to what he was being used under Jim Boylan, and I. I, I, This comes back to the whole honeymoon period of Billy Donovan and the fact that you know he's been. Look, I've been critical of Donovan lately. He's been so much better than Jim Boylan. So let's let's make that very very clear. Right. But that that doesn't excuse the man from um, some criticism, and I think the the criticism that we're sort of putting on him right now is fair and. I guess as an extension to this Donovan conversation, but also to Lowry too, I wanted to get your thoughts on Lowry at small forward because to me at least, like that's just something that makes my skin crawl type thing. Like I just don't understand it at all, but uh, maybe you have a different opinion. Maybe you can talk talk me into it like what are your thoughts about larry small
1: forward and it's you know they asked nick nurse about it after the game last night um or or no a a couple nights ago when they when they beat toronto and he was like yeah man that that's an interesting lineup and he said basically i think it's just because donovan wants to get all those guys minutes because they're all talented and he went on this you know 30 second rant about how great lowry is and look lowry played great in that toronto game yeah and and, in these bench games in general it's not just the three-point shooting, but you were seeing Lowry attack mismatches, something that he never seemed to do. Like you know, our, our guy Big Dave always said, like I hate that Lowry never remembers that he's seven feet tall because he plays <laughs> like he's six foot five. Like, yeah, we we saw him attacking mismatches. We saw him hitting like a running, you know, a, like a Magic Johnson-esque running hook shot through the lane. We saw him backing guys down. We saw him actually scoring from the post. And we were like, oh, there's that guy that we thought could be a three-level scorer threat, when we saw him as a rookie, and that all just disappeared. As far as these three-man lineups go, um, I just, I'm, I'm with you mostly just because I can't stand watching it on the defensive end. Like, it's a yeah. disaster. It is such a disaster.
0: No matter how the last game went, anytime you take the field, you've got a shot at greatness. Give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Start hiring right now with $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through March 31st. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must have requirements or else you don't pay. Go to indeed.com bluewire to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and condition apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: Yeah, for sure. And this is like when I when I start coming back and feeling bad for Larry. Like, I don't feel bad for him if he's on offense, let's say, where he's, he's not taking advantage of his size or he's not moving, he's not scoring the ball, like, I don't feel bad in those situations. But when I see him on an island playing against or playing that small forward position and trying to stay with wings on the perimeter, like that's actively putting him in tough situations, which he doesn't deserve to be in, frankly. Like that's what annoys me about it. So I I don't know why Billy Donovan is, I kind of do know why, like the Bulls, they're a top heavy team. Like they, they, they got a nine man rotation at this point. And four of those players are, uh, you know, are worthy of minutes. So obviously you got Vucevic and Thad as your starters, and then Lowry and Daniel Tice coming off the bench. So that's four of your nine guys are uh, traditionally sized bigs, let's say. Right. So that's kind of why they're pigeonholing Lowry into that small forward position. The Bulls just don't have a lot of wings. But at the same time, like it, it's just not going to work. And like for forty three minutes last night, Billy Donovan didn't go to the Larry Marken and small forward thing like he did against the Raptors and it kind of made sense against the Raptors because of the Raptors the Raptors play big like you got OG that small forward right he, he's basically a power forward so you, like he, it can work then but against the smaller Hawks team that were running pretty much three guard lineups like having Larry out there chasing Kevin Herter or Tony Snell or some other guard or wing out there like it's it's just asking for trouble so i feel bad for Larry in that situation which Yeah, maybe I shouldn't, but it's rough. But to that point as well, like, why are you doing that? And why are you only playing Daniel Tice eleven minutes in a game? Like in a game where you need defense. Thank you. That's
1: where I was about to go next when we're talking about this (laughs) big man rotation. It's like Bulls fans and my guy Dave last night was like, "You got you got to have Kobe out there because you got to get buckets." Like he's the only other dude outside of Zach and Vucci's score. And I was just like. Are you what are you watching? Because yes, your team needs points to win games. They also need stops. Like that that to me is why the Bulls lost that game. It's like they had a a few bad possessions down the stretch when, when Zach was getting just absolutely attacked by Atlanta's defense and nobody else could do a damn thing, but they couldn't get a stop to save their lives on the other end. And Daniel Tice plays 12 minutes. You got Kobe closing instead of Sato. It's not like Sato's some all defensive team guy, but his defense is sure as shit better than Kobe's. <laughs> like, I, I, I was just baffled by who was on the floor late in that game when you could see what was going wrong and that Donovan didn't appear to be making the logical, at least attempted solutions to fixing what was noticeably wrong.
2: Yeah, it it was very weird. And look, there was a point where the Bulls were up. I think they were, were about 101 points. The Hawks were 94, 96 off the top of my head, something like that. And Donovan had those lineups out there where they were basically all offense lineups. Uh, you know, he had Kobe out there. He had Lowry out there. He had Vooch out there. He had, he had a Zach out there. And maybe one other defensive player, let's say. Maybe it was Patrick Williams or whoever it was, Troy Brown Jr., but mostly those lineups were not going to just stop anyone. And promptly when he went to those lineups, which happened to coincide with those three big lineups, like the Hawks were always going to rattle off points and they went on an 8-0 run and that, that, the game was pretty much done then. Like the Bulls were failing to score, like that trapping Hawks defense that they were running. Plus, you know, the Bulls' inability to get stops. Like all of a sudden the lead got out to like 101 to 107 or whatever it was. And then there was no coming back from that, from that point. So... Yeah, it was just a weird situation. And, like, to that point, like, you need a defense. So why is Daniel Tice barely playing? Why is Troy Brown Jr. only playing 15 minutes a game where you're getting torched by Trey Young? Like, yeah, Kobe, theoretically, is another scorer out there. But if he's giving giving up as many points as he's sort of netting you, why aren't you, like... Throw Troy Brown Jr. on on Trey on Trey Young. You we just saw him last week do some good stuff against Kyrie Irving. Right. A very similar player to Trey. Like, why is this dude only playing fifteen minutes?
1: I didn't I didn't get that either, man. Um, I, I know that Troy Brown Jr. is not, you know, the offensive threat that Kobe yeah. is. Um, <clears throat> but you know, talking about this team's plans and, and whether or not. Kobe's even here long term. Like, I, I feel like they got this kid, Troy Brown Jr., in the trade on purpose. You know, th- this wasn't a clerical book cleaning kind of trade that the old regime no. used to do. They saw that this kid was talented and brought him here to play. Like, wh- when we first heard that trade, I was like, well, Mo Wagner, like, what? That doesn't make any sense. We already got a crowd of front court. Then they traded him off to get, I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So that was mostly just to get Troy Brown Jr. So play him. He's young. And like potential through the roof on the defensive end, and more than potential, like you know, capability, competency on the defensive end. I like you. I was excited to watch him try and guard Trey Young last night, and I thought we were gonna see more of it, especially when you just have Trey Young racking up points, racking up points, racking up points, and and Donovan didn't say to Troy Brown Jr. go out there and stop him. Because I thought that was interesting. I'm not sure if you picked up on that. Some recent interview from Troy Brown Jr., who was talking about you know a conversation I had with Coach Billy, and and I said to him how how do I get minutes on this team? And Donovan said, "Play defense. I need you to play defense." Yeah. Well, then go send him out there to play defense. Like what <laughs> what what are we doing?
2: Yeah, I, I don't get it. Like I I don't get closing that game to the Hawks like they're not a good defensive team but like closing a game with a Chicago lineup that was essentially all offense as well like the Hawks are a really good de- offensive team the Bulls are not so much a great defensive team but you're sort of hampering yourself by throwing out an all-offensive lineup particularly ones where Lowry you know gets minute at small forward. so yeah anyways I just wanted to to get on that and you know, whine about that because I haven't had a chance on the podcast, at least for the last couple of weeks, to, to speak about it. I've obviously been venting my frustrations about it on Twitter. If people have seen it on there, <laughs> but I, I don't get it. And you know, this is maybe a flaw of Billy Donovan going f- forward that we have to sort of track now. Again, like the roster isn't perfect; it's nowhere clear, uh, nowhere near complete. There's obviously things that need to change in the off season, and you obviously can't make your team perfect at the trade deadline. But at the same time, there's just some some weird things that are happening and you know shout out to Cody Westerland uh in the in the press game or the post game presser he, he asked Donovan about those three big lineups and the, the lineup where he had the three bigs out there and Patrick Williams at shooting guard with Kobe out there like yeah Donovan's response is basically that he just wanted to sort of beat up the Hawks with size but like Again, the Hawks are just a small, fast team, and you're already getting killed by Trey Long- Young.
1: Why are you actively trying to make yourself bigger and slower?
0: Right. I mean, very, and, and we, and we saw
1: that already when it was, um, what was it? Oh, it was the Suns game, right? When they they played P. Dub at the at the two, and they were like, "Go guard, Devin Booker." Yeah, yeah, we saw how that went. Not great. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. And you know, yeah, I, I'm trying to cut Billy Donovan a little bit of slack because I, I and I think you mentioned it earlier too. Dude's got a lot on his plate right now. Um, first year in a new job, first year with a new organization and spent the first half of the season trying to just evaluate and feel out all of these pieces that they inherited along with, you know, his bosses, AK and Eversley. And now he he, he has several new pieces and some of the old pieces and he's just, you know, he's trying to put pe- puzzle pieces together, man. And I'm sure that it is a much harder job than those of us who are fans bloggers, podcasters, you know, people on Bulls Twitter who watch the team every night. I'm sure it's a million times harder than we think it is. But I, I am with you in that recently, as we have gotten a larger sample size of the new guys playing with the old guys, where the rotation should be and the adjustments that he should make in game that he doesn't seem to be making.
2: Yeah, look, I make a fantastic, you know, couch coach, let's say. I'm, I'm really good at calling out plays, calling out rotations from my couch. So, right, yeah. I, I I definitely take your point on that. But at the same time, like, some of this stuff is like, come on, man. Like, isn't this obvious? Like, wh- wh- what are you doing? What are right. you doing? But um, anyways, moving away from that Hawks game because- well, to be honest with you, I could have won about it for a long, long time. And in the <laughs> interests of uh, keeping things moving, is all, and as well as not keeping you here too long, I wanted to talk to you about the remaining 20 or so games left in this season. Like, the schedule, it's not too bad from here on out. Like, it, it's there's games that the Bulls should find themselves in, there's games that the Bulls should really be winning. I thought the Hawks won last night was a really good opportunity, but nonetheless, like, the next few games that they got coming up, like, they're on the road at Minnesota, like, winnable game. Mm. Then you're on the road against Memphis now Memphis is a good team but they're, they're just a touch above 500 like right like, a like Atlanta
1: and so, you know exactly. if you can play evenly with Utah and Phoenix on the yes. road like, <laughs> yeah. and, and like yes we didn't win either of those games but we played the two best teams in the league evenly and gave them both a good fight so if you yeah. can do that you can beat Atlanta you could beat Memphis hundred percent. And then after the Memphis game,
2: you're back home and then you play Orlando. Wendell comes back, like that'll be a fun game. Then you've got Memphis again. Then you've got Cleveland on the road to the Celtics, then the Cavs. like the next seven to eight games, there's some winnable games. Like they've got the Hornets as well. Now the Hornets are an above five hundred team, but they're without LaMallo, they're without Gordon Hayward. Like if the Bulls are serious about doing something this season, yes their roster isn't perfect, yes they haven't had much time to sort of integrate everyone, but at the same time, like if if they're serious about doing something, like this next block of games, next five to ten games is really going to tell us who this team can be, which is why maybe I'm maybe that's why I'm being very or uh, uh, looking at this Hawks game at the way I am and being frustrated with it because like this was a game where I thought this was a good test, like beating the Pacers or beating the Raptors when they're missing quality players, you know. So be it. You need those W's, but you move on quickly. Right. Whereas this Raptors, uh, sorry, this Hawks game. And what's going to be coming up against, you know, the Celtics or the Heat or the Knicks, like comparable teams, those teams that are sort of just above you, like that's important. And they're the real reflection pieces. So I don't know, how do you think the next sort of five to 10 games are going to transpire? And are we going to get these Jekyll and Hyde type performances from the Bulls?
1: I mean, I think so. I think there's there's still a gelling process that needs to be taking you know taking place here with some of these new arrivals and and Billy figuring out his rotation. Although to me, at this point, I think that the rotation should be pretty clear in that you know who your starting five is. Lowry and Kobe get minutes off the bench. Tice gets minutes off the bench. And then maybe if you want to go stretch it to nine or like eight and a half on certain nights, depending on certain matchups and, and looks, Troy Brown Jr. gets minutes as well. And that should be it. Like, I don't know if you agree, but like, that's how I see it. There Mm -hmm. it is. There's your rotation. And of course, slight alterations based on matchups on any given night. But it seems like that's pretty simple. And then you're right about the winnable games on deck. The other thing that the Bulls have working in their favor is that the team that they just beat, you know, earlier in the week, the, the Raptors seem to be going nowhere fast. There's a two and a half game gap that the Bulls have there. Obviously, that was a big win creating some separation with them and the Raptors. But I mean, do I see the bulls climbing somewhere to a point where they're not in the, the mini play in part of the, you know, the, the playoffs overture, if you will No, like, do I think that they're going to win enough of these winnable games to secure the sixth seed instead of being somewhere seven through 10? I really, really don't. Um, and I'm, I'm not necessarily thinking that that's a failure. I, th- I thought that this season was mostly just going to be about evaluation. And if, Somehow, for whatever reasons, things came together more quickly than we thought. And we got we made the playoffs this year. Cool. But, you know, and maybe it was just low expectations based on recent history. I, I was not anticipating for the Bulls to be a 500 team this year um, or, or very close to it. I thought a little bit better than last year because improvement takes time. But, hey, they swung for the fences. They got an all-star. We'll see what they can do, but I'm I'm not expecting some great run here uh, towards towards the higher seeds in the East.
2: Yeah, neither. And look, to be fair, like even the I think the Celtics are in seven right now, but the Celtics have a four game lead on the Bulls. So making up four games in in a, in a twenty game batch, like it's possible, but it's it's unlikely. Like you, you need the Celtics to fall off, and obviously the Bulls to start winning consistently. Well, you know, that's not something the Bulls do, unfortunately. Right. But like, and, you, and the Knicks are in there, and you know Tibbs is trying to win every single night. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, like, the Pacers, they've won a couple games here and there. Like, the Pacers have a two-game lead on the Bulls at this point. But coming back to the schedule, like, the, the Bulls play the Nets twice from here on out. They play the Bucks twice. But they have the, the Nets and the Bucks like, their last two games are the Nets and the Bucks. And who knows if those teams have been fully healthy at that at that point. So, but, look, they've got the Nets twice, they've got the Bucks twice, and then they've got the Sixers once beyond that like every other team they play a teams or games that they should be in like the best team they actually play is probably the heat or the Hawks so like they have a chance here to they're not gonna get up to six let's say but they have a realistic chance to at least get to to eight or ninth depending how things go I think the Knicks have one of the toughest schedules remaining in the, in the season but I don't know it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays itself out they're, they're learning and trying to win on the fly here but I guess that's like I said before. That's why that Hawks loss annoyed me so much was because it felt like we were. I mean, Donovan has said this before like self inflicted wounds mm-hmm. uh, and you know, mentioning how the Bulls play at times, but it kind of feels with some of the rotations, some of the decisions, um, the self inflicted wounds extending beyond the players on the court, let's say. But uh, I, yeah, yeah, I don't know how you feel about that. But I, 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 I there's, a, there's a chance here for the Bulls to do something decent. They're not going to, you know, jump up to six, but there's a chance right. for him to do some noise in the in the plane. But sometimes, like this this Hawks game, it, it does make me question it at times.
1: Yeah, I, I you know I question it too. Um, I think that it would be very valuable for this team to actually make the playoffs and and not just you know the one game or the two games because they you know are at nine or ten. If if they end up in the 7 through 10 play-in and can actually win and punch their ticket to a real playoff series and you know if if it's them as seven versus two or eight versus one and and they get worked in the first round by Brooklyn or Philly or whoever it might end up being like okay this organization hasn't had a playoff trip in four years now Mm-hmm. And and I you know I don't know about you I don't even count the last one because that three alphas year was the dumbest freaking experiment <laughs> on the face of it. the. F- planet and it drove yeah. me crazy oh if only rondo's thumb didn't go bad we we were gonna make a title run god bulls fans just sometimes uh i i why can't did you even... just sound like c red fred just then uh it's it's not my c red fred impression it's just my it like him. It's, it's just my unintelligent bulls fan impression <laughs> <laughs> well it's maybe it's
2: one and the same i guess <laughs> Shout out to C Red How are you, sir, if you're listening?
1: Oh, man. C Red <laughs> my guy. I love him. But I love that we, we, you know, I, I, I always appreciate having you know, a a partner in crime to just rein him in. Anytime I see you taking him to task on Twitter, I'm like, yes, it's it's awesome. It's awesome to have someone on my team. (laughs)
2: Well, literally just before we started recording this, I think we were just shitting on each other about Pink Floyd, Uh, random (laughs) uh, aside to the Bulls, but we we seemingly always find something to argue about. But um, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that three alphas era, like just on a tangent, like I started this podcast during the three alphas era. So, all I've known really is bad basketball as a a Bulls (laughs) podcaster. So, like, maybe that's like a subconscious thing about it as well. Like, sure, like the Bulls aren't going to do anything of note this season. They're not going to go on some magical run here and, you know, sneak into the Eastern Conference finals or something like that. But, like, can we just get back to some semblance of winning? understand there's all these caveats, the fact that, you know, the team isn't complete. You know, you've made all these trades. It's a weird year with COVID and all that sort of stuff. I get it. But, like we should probably be beating teams like the hawks or at least getting into the plane and doing some sort of damage but uh right i'm yeah, with we'll, you because we'll like see.
1: that's the, that's the natural progression of getting yeah. back to respectability and then eventually competitiveness and you know maybe lofty dreams one day even like deep playoff runs and competing for championships cuz you you are literally starting from i mean to say starting from zero would be putting it Graciously, you're basically starting from a negative number after how bad last season went. So instead of getting blown out by 30 or 40 every night, we've lost a lot of close games, some to mediocre teams where we probably should have won. And we've lost a lot of close games against the really good elite teams of the league where you think, damn, man, like that would have been the signature win of the season. That would have been the signature win. But in those games last year, we were losing by 40. And so it's frustrating, and I understand that Bulls fans want this progress to happen faster. But I mean, those two games against Phoenix and Utah, like that in itself is leaps and bounds from how bad this team was last year. Mm -hmm. And we just added another all star to pair with Zach. Like, it's not going to happen overnight. And it's something I always try and tell Bulls fans who are the most impatient fans on the planet. But I get it. We've been waiting a long time. And like you, like me, Jordan and I started our podcast together, uh, same season as you. And we've been talking about the Bulls five days a week (laughs) through four years, nearly four years of just unwatchable basketball. So I I get it, man.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. You're completely across it. uh, And I guess what? again this this has been a good therapy session for me but like thinking about it as well like and, and this season and what we've been talking about and the fact that guys like Lowry and Kobe have gone to the bench Wendell's gone Hutchinson's gone Gafford's gone there's probably other pieces that I'm forgetting off the top Chris Dunn obviously he's gone like the, the, the previous regime the previous three to four years just felt so unnecessary and it's just gone, I guess. So it's like, yeah. all right, that the stain and stench of that nonsense and the pain that we had to go through felt kind of unnecessary. But we are here; we're here where we are now. So can right. we start rolling as quickly as we can to this hopefully better days? And I, I guess that's what the Vucevic trade represented. And you're completely right; like we have to wait some time. And we've talked about the fact that this team isn't anywhere near complete. But at the same time, like. Let's move on quickly to the to the new era. Can we get some get some good things happening? Because uh, we right. all deserve it. But so um... you
1: know, if 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 they squeeze into a playoff spot, hey, that is definitely marked improvement, and that is definitely progress. And the other thing. Uh, that I think Bulls fans always need to remind themselves of is hey we've got a new front office and this new front office actually does things uh, whether it be <laughs> on deadline day or in the off season. I know Bulls fans were kind of disappointed that they didn't make any splash moves or signings um, in the, in their first off season at the helm it's like okay well we're like we're, NBA teams are dealing with COVID they've got to evaluate what they have before they make any rash decisions And now AK said in his interview at the end of trade deadline day after making several trades, I'm not finished. And he knows that this team still needs a competent point guard. He knows that this team needs more help uh, and and muscle and capability on the defensive end. So let's see what happens this summer because I'm guessing that the roster we see next season will be even more different and even more talented than the one we just upgraded to a couple weeks ago.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely think that's the case, um, and I definitely don't think Larry Markkinen is going to be part of it. And we'll see about COVID. I think we'll see. I think I'm
1: with you, man. I, I've, yeah. I've, I've like I still got my Lowry jersey sitting in my closet, and I'm like, man, <laughs> if I can't wear that anymore, like sometimes I'll wear you know old jerseys of players gone by, but man, I just mm, I I'm still I'm still fighting with it, but I've I've mentally accepted it, and now I'm just working on the emotionally accepting it part. <laughs>
2: Yeah, fair enough. Like. Uh- I catch myself thinking like, how do people even like Larry or, when, uh, or or Kobe White? But then I start thinking to myself, well, w- you are the Wendell stand. Just maybe, just right. shut up. So, <laughs> yeah, you don't get to talk there, on this issue. There are plenty so, of
1: people who wonder why you love him so much. So, exactly. You know, ev- so uh, everybody sees things differently. But like people that have, I've talked to this season, they're like, so are you like still on Larry? I, I'm like, nah, man. Like I, the dude showed me some stuff, and I was excited to see what else he was going to show me. And then he showed me nothing else. So like, yeah. there it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think
2: part of it as well is like, I got burnt so bad from Lowry in that February 19 period where I, I went on Twitter and made some bold proclamations about how Lowry was going to be better than Jason Tatum and all this right. sort of stuff. And yep. maybe now because I look so foolish about it, maybe that's why I, <laughs> maybe that's why, I, maybe I come down harshly on someone like Lowry, but, um, yeah, it is frustrating, but uh, anyway,s it is what it is. I'll, I'll look. I'll. I've kept you long enough, mate. We could, like I said before, we could bang on about um, the disappointment of those guard packs era picks for for a long, long time. <laughs> but let's but, um, not, right? <laughs> but let's not exactly Bulls HQ listeners, and I'm sure Locked On Bulls listeners have heard enough of that, anyway. But um. Uh, yeah i just want to thank you for coming on mate i'm glad we had the the opportunity to finally do this thing um it's a lot of fun catching up and uh before i let you go though i'd be uh more than happy for you to to plug what you're doing obviously you're uh you're doing a bit of stuff so tell the listeners in the remote chance that they don't know where to find you where to catch you all that sort of stuff tell them when they can do so
1: yeah so me and john and big dave my guys we're still doing our our thing this season um uh, we're on Hot Mike, uh, which is a really awesome app that's free to download. Um, so we're there starting with the fourth quarter every night uh, and then into like usually about a half hour post game show. Uh, Bulls Outcast, you can find us on Hot Mike. And then, yeah, Monday through Friday, five days a week, still cranking away with Locked on Bulls and my guy, Jordan Malley. Um, you know, uh, always enjoy interactivity with with our listeners there and the new fun thing that's right around the corner for us is we're one of the first shows across the whole Locked On Network that's going to be jumping into the very fun pool of YouTube and video content Um, so that's probably coming up sometime in the next couple of weeks we're going to be doing live episodes via YouTube, restream um, and and having a lot of video content added to our our podcast stuff on YouTube so we already have our channel up, it's bare right now because we haven't started cranking out videos yet. Uh, we still have to go through the onboarding process from the network, but yeah. go subscribe to Locked on Bulls on YouTube because we're going to start doing video content really soon.
2: That's awesome. I'll definitely be tuning into that. It's funny. Like, I. Years ago, I created a Bulls HQ YouTube in, in the thought of, you know, getting this thing onto the video platform. But as I sort of alluded to before, where I've been really bad at scheduling and lazy in terms of trying to organize guests, I've also been bad and lazy in trying to get Bulls HQ to uh, jump on YouTube. But um, I will right. definitely be tuning in with, uh, when Locked on Bulls goes up there. And, um, you know, quick shout out to your, your co-hosts, uh, Big Dave and, and, and John Sabine as well. Like, I just want to say, and, and they already know this, but like, It actually hurts me when they say the things that they say about Wendell. (laughs) And
0: and it also
2: hurts me as well when I come back to them with the Stark Gafford stuff. So um, I definitely want to get John and uh, Big Dave on here. Maybe we can do a, a Bulls Outcast type thing. Hey, that would be great. Uh, H2, I, I,
1: I, I know that they they love to to give Wendell a hard time. <laughs> I, like I, I'm genuinely happy for Wendell. It seems like he's he's getting good minutes and playing well with Orlando. I I was not as out on him as they were, and I think it was more so John. Like you know was out on Wendell from day one. He came in and was like, I, this guy does nothing for me. The thing oh. he always said, and like he didn't rag on him and said he's crap. The thing that J- John's catchphrase about Wendell has always just been, he's fine, which is <laughs> not an insult, but it's certainly not a compliment. Yeah. So you guys, you should you should bring on John and Dave and, and you guys can all hash out your Wendell stuff. I'm staying out of that. <laughs> no,
2: fair enough, fair enough. They'll definitely come on soon, but um, I, I get a lot of people coming at me about Wendell. And it doesn't generally bother me because they're just random Twitter people who, you know, whoever they are, don't really care about them. But when, when Dave or John say something, it's like, oh, you know. I like you guys. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? But, uh, anyways, anyways, we'll get differences them on soon.
1: of opinion, man. I mean, you and I have disagreed a few times, and you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's sometimes it's just about a player or you know some kind of basketball world of strategy, analytics, whatever. But I think for the most part, you and I agree on a lot of stuff, and then also just w- we both live in reality, man. I you know, John and Dave are both kind of dreamers, and clearly our pal Fred <laughs> is a dreamer. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. you know, I always appreciate interacting and and and, and getting your takes, man, because you i'm always like oh mark oh another sane person on twitter how nice there are so few of us
2: yeah yeah well i looked maybe there's more out there but um we won't won't get into jimmy butler because maybe that's where where we diverge i suppose that's the main thing that i can think about where we diverge anyway but probably um, i I know that you you miss him very very much i still miss jimmy i still miss jimmy (laughs) but um, anyways look like i said mate i've kept you long enough thank you for coming on um and obviously thank you for telling people where they can follow you if they're not doing that bulls hq listeners go follow matt go follow locked on bulls and bulls outcast so whilst you're doing that jump on mine to follow me on twitter if you're not following me there at mk hoops follow the podcast there too at bulls hq pod if you want to be part of the bulls hq discord shoot me a dm on twitter and i'll drop you an invite into that if you don't know what discord is essentially it's a, it's a large chat chatting platform where 24 7 we're talking bulls so if you want to be part of it shoot me a dm but um, let's get those self-serving plugs out of the way we are done here on this bull's episode of Bulls HQ. But before I do go, just a quick programming note. I probably will be off at least one week, maybe two, depends. And the reason for that is that I'm actually getting my tonsils ripped out of my head in a few hours' time. So I have no idea how painful that is going to be or if I'll be able to speak. And uh, given podcasting is an audio-only platform, it's kind of not ideal. So um, I'm going to be taking taking it day by day. So, uh as soon as I'm good to go, Bulls HQ will be back, but probably be off at least a week. But uh, in the interim, though, if you like what you're hearing, help out your favorite Australian Bulls podcaster by heading over to iTunes and giving the show a five-star review. And even better, helping me out by telling your mates about Bulls HQ and getting them to tune in. Uh, that would be a massive help. But as usual, appreciate everyone tuning in. A special shout-out to Marson, Doug, and Andrew for your kind words and reviews that you've sent through this week. That stuff really does mean a lot for, you know, creators like myself. So, um, appreciate you guys. Appreciate everyone tuning into Bulls HQ. We're just about done for today. Again, thank you for everyone tuning in. Bulls HQ will be back as soon as I can talk, um, but look forward to chatting to you then, Bulls fans.